It is just past 18 hours, 29 minutes and 13 seconds, East African time. Time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. This being Wednesday, the 5th of October, 2022, Hamjambo Nakaribuni. Hello and welcome. Our production team intends to keep its thematic focus on research-based knowledge. And in this edition, we will direct our attention to the issue of urban planning with Nairobi, our capital city, as our guinea pig. Nairobi, which has grown since its foundation about 120 years ago from being a convenient, water-providing stopping point during the building of a railway from the coast into the interior to having a population of around 5 million people, perhaps many more, making it one of Africa's most populous cities. Is our Nairobi, in a word, a fun place to be for its inhabitants and guests in 2022? Is it to be defined by fancy buildings or happy people? And should it serve as a good example of development for its relatively smaller national siblings? I, shall, I hope that we shall have time enough to get through all my peas without too much puffing on my microphone. People, profit, power, Politics, pollution, planning, practicality, pragmatism, and perhaps, who knows, much more besides. Our mystery guest is a practicing architect and a continental expert on human settlements. Let him join you in hearing some voices of the people in answer to the question, what would make Nairobi a better city to live in? J. Ninini litakalofanya Nairobi jiji bora kuishi. In Sirikali, yes, to Kuangalia Nairobi. Mana kuna miji ambayo Sirikali kiweka mikakati, waze kuweka maendeleo, kama Kisumu, Mombasa, Eldoret, waze kuweka uko makampuni. Watu ambao wanakuja Nairobi, waneza endafanya nini? Kuishi kule na kupata kazi kule. Itaweza kupanya nini? Kupunguza iyo jama ambayo yuko Nairobi. Manyumba nyo zinatuumiza hata mimi ndiyama Nairobi kwa sababu ya kuona hapana. Sirikali ya chukue hatua wenyewe kulipisa swala la traffic limekuwa kubwa traffic jam imekuwa nyingi sana sawa jitahidi kuongeza usafiri serikali inavaa itulocate ama itulocate mahali watu watakuwa na wanabebea the best thing that can be done in nairobi is people must work if people don't work then uh, the economy of this country will not exist anywhere kila kona ya inchi ya dunia mzima inakuja hapa kwa hivyo ni lazima kama ni governor anafaa tengeneze barabara ziwe mzuri kama ni drainage ziwe mzuri yani kila kitu ihakikishiwe ni mzuri serikali iweze kutengeneza barabara mzuri ili kupanua Nairobi ili Nairobi iweze kuwa na mabarabara nyingi ya kusaidia wananchi bunyumbu kiangalia sana ndio zinafinyilia mwenyanaisi Nairobi renti yuko you. Professor, because you are a professor, <laughs> Thank you. what is um, your take on what you've just heard? I think uh, 
the Nairobian understands the issues and the Nairobians understand the solutions. Uh, vile wamelia pale uh, mambo ya barabara, mambo ya manyumba, uh, mambo ya kuboresha maisha na mikakati tofauti tofauti inayohitajika kuboresha maisha ukuuliza mwananchi wa kawaida hiyo uh, swala uh, la maisha hapa Nairobi utashtuka wanaelewa kila kitu wanaelewa kila kitu kabisa so you're saying you know the, the, the citizen is not duped and i hear you but my we were listening together right um i'd like perhaps to 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 go back to they're saying the governor right now we have a new governor uh, what do you think an individual can actually do to change the tenure of a city that's been the way it's been for 60 years No thank you John uh, and 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 the people have highlighted the issues there the issues of traffic the issues of housing the issues of jobs the issues of uh, drainage the is- those are the issues the issues of decentralization of the city these are the same thing that planners are grappling with and i think uh, at the center of this is uh, why would you want to give anybody power uh, in a city uh, it means that not all of us can be able to you know to cause the change that you want and uh, you know what we do is then um, you know put these powers in institutions that are occupied by individuals so that they can actually do something about it so we expect uh, that uh, you know the governor and his promises um, you know starts translating into actual legislation he has an entire assembly to process uh, his issues he has our taxes to to just translating some of those uh, wonderful ideas into into action uh, he, he even has uh, the, the local police to enforce some of those regulations and standards and so on uh, I'd like you to I'd right. like to take you back prof right in the sense that are we saying that up until now right. we have had bad governors in Nairobi and now the sunlit uplands are about to emerge with a new one Well I think uh, we are saying uh, you know uh, yes and no we've had um, some not very good ones we have had poor ones and I think we've also had some average ones I mean if you if you if you projected this back in time say beyond uh, um, beyond the the Kibaki regime the city has had uh, incidents of good leadership and of course extreme dosage of very poor leadership that did not even understand what the city needed in the first instance but were very happy you know to make wealth for themselves you know to grab public resources and so on uh, if i if i may highlight like uh, people don't know that just one man was a town clerk in the city gakuo was responsible for most of the modern uh, uh, greening of the city as as a, as an individual then of course the the fellows who followed immediately after him started chopping the trees down <laughs> right right I, i also hear because there's there's lots to get through lots of peas to get through right. let's stick with this um voices of the people there was this idea again that um nairobi is beginning beginning to be cluttered and perhaps it ought to instead of expanding upwards in the way of high rise buildings isn't the solution to expand sideways 
sideways into where that's the problem <laughs> because land is finite uh, and, and and Nairobi you know is a unique city in this sense that uh, it is one of those cities that always had a boundary this is unique to um, uh, this is very unique to british and english cities compared say to german and dutch you know uh, cities um, that didn't actually have boundaries so you find that in one instance you know you have this city um, that has nowhere else to expand and currently we have this scenario where if you're looking at Nairobi expanding horizontally it is expanding into Kajiado and is expanding into Kiambu is expanding into other territories that is not Nairobi so the point is and we're only five million the point is that we should be able to solve our Nairobi's partial needs within our boundaries why are we externalizing our problems to other counties that didn't cause them in the first instance. And these are some of the issues that we must start engaging with. Okay, I just want to go back to, we've all traveled widely. There are right. places in the world where capital cities have been moved somewhere totally different. I take your point. Right. But we hear of Abuja. Right. Last time I went to Egypt, the, the Egyptians were building a brand new city. Even uh, our neighbors, Tanzania, here. Yeah. The Tanzanians Correct. have gone to Dodoma. Right. So is this the solution? Because we've said in my introduction that it started off as a watering hole for people building the railway. Right. In Kare Nairobi, whatever the Maasai <laughs> is, the place of cool waters. We all learned that right. at school. Right. But the place of school, cool waters was not meant to be uh, to take on five million people 60 years on. You know Nairobi is a unique city in that way, that uh, it's actually one of the cities that was located in a swamp. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so it was a swamp even before, you know, we we, we started uh, building and having these, uh, these uh, uh, you know, roads, infrastructure, buildings and so on. Even traditionally, the Kikuyus, the Maasai, never lived in the city. They just came to water the animals and went to live in more livable places. But uh, like they say, the English have a strange sense of humor. And I think they also have bizarre sense when it comes to planning and human settlements. So they, they actually picked the swamp. Yes. And, and it was picked accidentally because I mean, uh, they just did a, a camp, a short-term camp, you know, to sort out the railway in the Rift Valley. But somehow, they decided to stay. And right. they started putting right. up buildings. But there's, and, always, there's, and, there's uh, always the notion and, of African <laughs> African solutions to African problems. Will the day come when we might decide to move but, our capital because it can no longer sustain us? There's going to be civil war for that to happen. In this sense that uh, uh, why do, we, do you think we actually put Nairobi as a constitutional capital in the constitution? That the capital of the Republic of Kenya shall be Nairobi. Really, we could have just had it as a, as a functional capital. Uh, so my point here is that uh, there are a lot of vested interests uh, that would ensure that that, you know, does not happen. Uh, a, a very basic case, uh, John, I mean, you've got some land somewhere outside there. Um, if that land happened to have been in this city, you'd be a billionaire straight away. Right. So if you removed this, uh, the capital from here, uh, there's quite a lot of, uh, you know, people, uh, and, and in this particular case, capital, that uh, is going to, you know, lo lose a lot of their value. And, and, and these were the people behind the idea 
of uh, of having Nairobi as a capital. Uh, uh, number one is finite. Number two, you know, we are putting all the national resources and infrastructure in this place. Number three, regardless of which part of, the, of this country you come from, uh, Nairobi then becomes your home. It becomes your choice of investment. What does this mean for the guy who inherited some coffee uh, plantation next to the city? This guy becomes a multi-billionaire by doing nothing, absolutely nothing, and, and, and doesn't even pay taxes and so on. My, so my point is that, uh, you know, if we're just reasoning, this is Ceteris Paribas, all factors constant, we will have removed the city a long, a long time ago. But, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, there's an issue of money and issues of power and so on that well, then, you know, uh, pushes for this concentration. Yeah, power and politics, you've, uh, you've you picked know? on one of my P's. We've got our 15-minute segments. I'll give you four minutes to go back to the, the H word. And right. this is the idea of history. Now, right. I've become an armchair architect in preparation <laughs> for talking to you. And I believe that the, a certain gentleman drew up a master plan for Nairobi in 1948. Right. It wasn't implemented until 1965. Correct. Then somebody else came along, maybe 1973. Yes. And that particular plan wasn't approved and implemented until 2003. Right. So it seems to me that we're always, at best, around 40 years behind what we ought to be doing. And then I read again in my mm. architectural studies that in 1996, there was something called the Physical Planning Act of 1996. Right. All of which to suggest, Professor, right. that there was a, an attempt to keep things under control, to think, to keep things uh, sort of monitored and evaluated. Right. But you're going to have a tough time of it trying to convince me as a lay person that what we see happening in Nairobi is being monitored and evaluated all, every day. No, you're very we, right. We, we've lost the plot. We've lost the planning plot. Two more peas. <laughs> that is actually true, and you're very right. That uh, you know our plans generally in Kenya have a legal life lifetime, even in colonial times, of just about ten years. So, you, so our 1948 plan actually expired in 1958. So when I was starting to implement it in 1963, it was an illegal plan in the first instance. <laughs> and then, of course, we come in and create this uh, wonderful structural plan of 1973. Again, we don't implement that plan until uh, you know when Kibaki was in power in 2003 that again that that plan had expired you know long long before before uh, you know we started implementing it and even currently the new plan which uh, you know courtesy of the japanese uh, was done in uh, 2014 um, that plan has not been Im implemented properly and that plan is about to expire again just in in, in two years time so the point is if if this if people uh, were minding the city were implementing something it was actually expired and illegal plans in the first instance. So, so, so basically, the point I'm trying to say here is that uh, Nairobi has been, uh, you know, free for all. You basically do whatever you want to do, uh, depending on the guy who's in City Hall and is controlling development. You know, he can make that decision from tossing a coin to, you know, to, to an inducement or to an old piece uh, of, of plan that is no longer relevant. Thank you, Professor. We'll take a break at this point. And then I'm going to wade through my peas, or should I say plow through my peas. The best mix of music. Capital FM.
Professor, Rich. I'm a series of of notes. I've told you I'm an armchair architect now. <laughs> Under <laughs> people, blower. I'd like you to respond to what I've noted down right. using any number of sources, friends, Wikipedia, <laughs> the World Wide Web, people. Right. The need for greater social and environmental harmony. Right. How can we ensure a better quality of life for yes. more and more people, right. live better with each other, right. and live better with our planet right. Earth? Right. And then there's also the parking bay. We have the litany of Nairobi's misadventures. Mm. And within this, for people, we find, oh, our dear, dear jacarandas have been cut down. Right. 2,000 of them, maybe they'll never grow again. There's this idea of people turning over what were farms that fed right. us and uh, maybe in Kiambu, turning them into sort of monumental housing estates. Right. Uh, we have, um, there's somebody on Facebook who said that Nairobi is a smelly city mm. and drew a lot of ire from, you know, Kenyans who love Kenya. Uh, they said, you know, <laughs> we have a right to be smelly. So um, uh, uh, comment, please. Awana Inchi happy. Is this the city that's going? To, and also the idea of hierarchy and class the idea that we mentioned certain areas of Nairobi as being the leafy suburbs, the leafy suburbs of Karen, Loresho, Runda. And then um, we go back to the colonial construct where once the savannah hits in and the acacia trees, that's where the great mass of the people live, if not in slums. Yeah, John, um, um, I've said before that uh, Nairobi is a city without, without citizens. And this is one of uh, the predicament of our times, that uh, from colonial times uh, to till now, the person in the city is not, is con is not considered to be a citizen of this city. He's considered to be a citizen of elsewhere who is just camping uh, in Nairobi and is going to go wherever he, wherever he came from. This includes people whose grandfathers were born in this city. This includes people who have no other known home and so on. So you end up with this total alienation. And, and even as you're coming to this whole idea of, of people, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting that uh, uh, Nairobi has had uh, just a couple of governors and these governors have been trying to run in other counties. They don't even consider themselves uh, to be citizens of this city. The, the question is very simple. Um, whatever we're doing in the city, the planning, the arrangement, we are doing them for who? This is a question. Whose city is this anyway? Who are the Nairobians? Who are the people we should be taking care of? And, and how do well, we Well, I'd ask you to try and attempt to answer your own question, exactly. Professor, because you've obviously uh, been asking it in uh, the comfort of your exactly. own brain. Exactly. And, and we've been saying, look, yeah, uh, um, the, the, the city has quite a number of different people that are totally uncatered for in this city. You, if, if you walk around the streets of Nairobi, you'll be mistaken to think that Nairobi is just made of uh, some strong youths between 18 to 25, hanging around matatus and dashing up and down. And we're asking ourselves, where are the children in this city? Where are women in this city? Where are old people in this city? Where are the disabled in this city? Do they exist, at, uh, if at all? And secondly, where's, where, where's the cyclist? Where's the walker? All these people. In fact, what you start seeing in the city is um, this youth that is fighting for space. And then after that, you start seeing cars. And uh, now, of course, you have expressway. They even move fast. You may not be able to see them. But, but, but what you're saying is that actually the city would, 
would be a beautiful and a nice city to live in if we started considering these people and how they live their lives. You can imagine a city where families can be walking on the streets, you know, like the way they do in Urupak, but, but within the city, you know, where youths have got interesting places where they can actually go and, uh, and have fun that is, uh, you know, that is clean, that is exciting. You know, a, a city where you can actually see disabled people wheeling themselves in these walkways by the side of the road, where you can see lovers holding hands and musicians, you know, playing by the side of the street. This city, we are saying, look, it can be done in a way that you start, uh, you know, actually uh, embracing people. And, and incidentally, this is linked with th those other issues that you're talking about. For us to achieve this, it means that we have to bring back the environment in the city so that it becomes, you know, the city in the sun. Uh, John, you you were born uh, in the, in the a early, long time ago in the earlier days. A long time ago. Those yeah. social places <laughs> in in this city in Kaloleni, where mm. the old men would go and play darts and and and, and little clubs where they would you know talk. There were but, lo but, local but, but, libraries and so on. Professor, with yes. respect, you know, right. one of the sentiments that's very right. questionable is this right. whole idea of nostalgia. Yes. looking back to better days. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Somewhere, you know, <laughs> in the days of my great great grandfather, where there wasn't a road, and they sort of plucked berries from the side of the road. <laughs> but no, I won't go for that. I'm going. No, I'm, I'm going to exercise your mind and say to sort of say there's a wish list. We could be this. Not, not, I'm not, always asking really. you, how could we be this? Not really. It's because, a different question. Not really, because if you look at it, you, you yeah. have been. I've built you <laughs> in, with a great laurel wreath as an expert on no, human no. settlements, as an expert. Uh, and that, as an and that, and that includes and nostalgia, nostalgia, George. Okay. <laughs> John. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But 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 what you're talking about here, are practicalities, really. Right. Indeed. Yeah. But, yeah. Because if, if you look at it, that was one of my yes. It, uh, if you look at it, I mean, uh, what what you're saying is that uh, is it possible, for example, to provide a walkway for people to walk? That's what you're saying. Is it possible to to, to provide a space where people can actually sit in a park? Does it? All, all, all I was trying to emphasize there is that there was a time, incidentally, where there was an, there are elements of this. So, so even 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 in terms of learning, we are a city that can learn from our own past. You know about the things that we got right. There are also some things that we, you, you know, we actually didn't, didn't get right as exactly well. Uh, the greening of the city, because we're saying, look here, uh, we're destroying all these trees. Uh, why aren't we planting more trees? Is it possible to actually plant more trees? The answer is exactly yes. So, so, so we're not being nostalgic here. All so, you're so, saying, so, sorry, Prof. Right, Prof. Right. You're saying that as we stood idly right. by, yes, and saw all the jacaranda trees right. being chopped down, right, it was all very sad. Yes, it had to happen because right. an expressway had to be built. Correct, and we should build rather plant right. some more jacaranda right. which will take 30 years to grow to the size of the ones that we've chopped up. Now try right. try telling that to an intelligent seven-year-old. Yeah. You see, all, all, all we're saying here is that uh, we, in the city we already have some beautiful parks. The road can always bypass the park. We have the knowledge. The, but it's, it's happened. Prof, it's happened. Exactly. This, say, it's this is what you're saying. I, 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 can't, I, I, I can't believe And we're not accepting it, uh, yeah. John. Uh, yeah. Mind you, that expressway was not even in, in, in our most current plan. The, the the 2014 plan right and 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 john we must actually disabuse ourselves of these things that simply because some tragedies happened in the past then they're acceptable they're not we live with a monster there uh and and we keep mourning 
and, and, and this is the only way we'll be able to uh, to actually prevent future tragedies from happening we right. cannot just come and say that because it's bad and it happened then it's good no right. no, no, no it's not right. I, right in in fact when i look at that expressway i see an apartheid road with people stuck at the bottom and a few a few uh, cars cruising uh, in a you know at, at these huge speeds and then the poor are reminded that they're poor so if you don't have the money you're stuck down there and and, and we are not even talking about the guy from kibra who's walking and has nowhere to walk to going to industrial area Right. I and think these are things we must question, regardless of uh, the useless decision that have been even made by more useless politicians in the past. Right. I think I think we'll have to um, plow on. <laughs> I, 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 I note the passion in your voice. Uh, people are listening. We're meant to engender debate, encouraging debate. I'm exactly. going to, could, could we could we let's do it this way? Can I go through all of my P's? And then maybe we can have a sort of review of matters arising. That's how they do meetings. So I'm going to go on to profit. Uh, and profit. We've got five minutes on profit. Uh, profit, we're building high and high into the sky. We're viewing our cityscapes as an investment opportunity. The construction industry worldwide contrib contributes to over percent, 40% of global carbon emissions. Change will be needed to, half, to halt climate collapse. It will be harder to import raw materials because of the geopolitics soaring oil prices and the impacts of climate change will limit our participation in the global commodity market. In other words, maybe my summary is that we cannot, speaking to you as an architect, we cannot continue building the way we're building now. We've chopped off our jacarandas. Right. We cannot continue to have 15-floor high-rises in areas of Nairobi where the stipulated limit ought to be perhaps five. But Again, something that we're seeing. Right. And, I, you know, the idea when, when we had somebody who was, when we, when we had um, um, Dr. William Mutunga here talk, defending the Constitution, we're saying it's all very well to defend the Constitution, but the citizen has no comeback. We're just poor spectators, poor sufferers of the whims of politicians. You know, John. And geopolitics. You want to think of this when we are exactly on the same on the same page, right? Oh, and good. and we are and we are on the same page with the people too. You see, the irony is that uh, we are building high and we are building everything everywhere, and we are not seeing number one uh, um, uh, the quality of life improve. We are not seeing housing, for example. We are building taller houses, but we are not seeing the prices of, of houses come down in the first instance. So people are being pushed to leave out of, uh, out of the city. Others went up country. In fact, we had that, uh, you know, in, in the voices of the people. And um, this, this is the issue that how are cities meant to function? You can't look at the entire city as a piece of real estate that is available for speculation. There must be some places where dead people are buried. There must be some places that are parks. There must be some places where you've got low-rise uh, development. There must be some places where you've got schools and so on. And then there must be some places where you have, you have your towers. And that has to be guided by plans, by zones and so on, so that eventually you, you have a functional city. But what, what I'm saying here is that the city is being driven not by plans, not by rationality, not by desire to provide services for the citizen, but it's actually being driven, the development of the city is being driven by desire to make money. And, 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 and all you need to go to do is to go to City Hall 
and you'll be allowed to put uh, a high-rise building, 40-story, on a cemetery or on a place that was meant to, be, to have been having uh, uh, a public facility or in a place that was meant to, to, to have been having low-rise uh, development. So you are finding this situation that it doesn't matter whether you are in Kayole or, uh, or Zimmerman or in the CBD, we are saying the sky is the limit and we have to build every single space that's available that even the lungs of the city that it uses to breathe are choked. You know, that even uh, uh, the heart of the city that pumps blood to all these other sections of the city is actually built, killed. And they, this is a city where if somebody sees uh, uh, the green spaces, uh, it's considered to, you are considered to be poor or, uh, or not having the resources, uh, the requisite resources that are needed. And, and, and we're building everywhere and we're building everything everywhere. You, you see, you have, we have to rationalize functions because some functions don't coexist optimally. You know, together. For example, if you're if you're looking at a mochari, and then you're looking at uh, at a, a, a school, for example, and then and then you're looking at bars and so on. This is why plans are there. This is why zones are there. This is why logic and rationale is there. But how is the city growing? Omenya can just wake up one day, and uh, and uh, you know this guy goes to city hall, and uh, I, I I just apply for change of use, and uh, before you know it, uh, you know I'm putting up this high-rise building. You know, in the middle of a place that was actually meant for these public amenities. Hmm? Right. Well, the time has come for us to have another break, after which we shall continue. I was going to say peeing, but that's um, subject to misinterpretation. <laughs> Professor, P is for planet. Change will be needed to halt climate collapse. It won't be the norm so many years to, from now to build with glass, steel and concrete. Now our communities have always been building for centuries with materials that come from the earth and then return to the earth or find other uses once they're no longer needed. So can we yet again appeal to nostalgia and go back to building our mud huts? Well, I mean, I think uh, I would say yes. That Let's go back and uh, get the principles <laughs> that made the mud hut such a comfortable uh, accommodation because uh, John, in some of these buildings, uh, you know, once you, once you approach them, you start sneezing because uh, they've got, uh, you know, uh, air conditioning that is using chemicals. We call them volatile organic compounds that people react to. In fact, if you have asthma, you can't stay in these buildings. You don't have enough ventilation, you know, that makes you uh, have the freshness, you know, that, that you need to even get your, uh, your oxygen levels and the blood system operating and so on. So actually, we call them sick buildings. So yes, uh, my, my, my short answer to this question is we need to go back and find out why your grandmother's heart was such a comfortable place, 
to stay in and, and of course also deal with the discomforts uh, you, you know there, there, there were no chemicals that was used in that place it was it was simple air moved in that place in case uh, you know you you wanted to get more air and uh, more space you just walked outside under a tree so so basically what you're saying is that uh, yes why create for ourselves uh, these glass cages uh, these greenhouses uh, while we live in um, in the in the best part of the world as far as uh, you know climate is actually concerned uh, at some point i shared with somebody uh, data on, on temperatures in nairobi and he told me such a city does not exist he told me oh this city is naturally air conditioned this cannot be true uh, and, and from me it's true my point is that uh, we we are in a city that is very comfortable to to stay in, and all we need to do is to be responsive uh, from a climate uh, perspective, and and and, and they're very very simple to, things to do. We just have windows that are openable, um, but of course there's part of the problem again that we have created so much interference. Uh, outside the air is not clean. It is uh, it is full of vehicular fumes. It is full of particulate matter from those who are actually you know constructing. It is full of noises from tattoos and so on. So this is forcing us to to stay in these glass cages uh, where now we start using chemicals that eventually are, are actually bad for our health. And also you know we 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 end up u using so much energy in the, in these places that, that's creating global global warming that pollution thing that i'm actually talking about there is not just bad to your, to, to, for your health it is also uh, emitting uh, carbon dioxide that is actually you know bringing all these problems of climate change uh, and then of course uh, we are built everywhere is concrete everywhere and and because of that it rains in Nairobi we all flood in fact the joke was you know you need to buy a boat in Nairobi you know it's simply because we don't have spaces for, for green spaces that can actually absorb that water and take it to recharge our groundwater system. Now, but, if you, uh, but, but Prof, right. I dare say we haven't gone, made greater strides in right. improving things like our sewerage systems. Right. So we haven't done anything. I mean, it's all very well saying, you know, the horrendous white man did this to us and, you know, horrible days of colonialism and may they perish forever and ever. But we haven't made an improvement on the past. You see, uh, this is this is actually a fundamental problem, not just in Nairobi, but this is a fundamental problem in Kenya. How do we eventually build our cities? How do we build our cities? Um, how should we build our cities? The idea is very simple: that people, no, anywhere on earth, people should not live in concentrated places that are unplanned, because the disaster. The, that th those are the things that caused plague many years back, when you have the breakdown of uh, dysentery and all these sort of things. So the the, the 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 thinking, the normative way of doing things, is to ensure that if you intend to concentrate people in a particular place, you start by planning that place, you start by allocating land uses to these places, and then, and you, you rightly say so, and then you start bringing in infrastructure and services. Because these people are actually, you know, co co consuming, but they're also producing a lot of uh, waste and so on. You bring in that infrastructure, and then eventually you bring in the people. But how Prof. does it happen in Kenya, Prof. in Nairobi and elsewhere? We start by bringing the people yeah. and building, and then later on, we, we ask ourselves whether we should plan or not. Prof, with respect, right? we must have access to the same news sources. Correct. You will hear about rivers that were 
being polluted. Correct. There's another P word there, pollution, pollution. that's got to do with the environment. True. True. And there's noise pollution with people Correct. in various places. What But I let's am. go effluent. Yes. Uh, this idea of pollution, and we're being told, let's go further afield and think of right. a city like Kisumu, right. where we're being told that by 2030, yes. it would have dried up, it will be, right. a, it'll be, a, it'll be colored green, there'll be no more fish. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to say that you're right. saying plan, right. plan, but right. I haven't heard you use the L word legislate. Right. I, I haven't heard you as a as an expert on urban planning say, let's go the Lee Kuan Yew way. Right. And if you throw a blob of chewing gum on the streets, you're, you're in for the high jump. Right. Uh, in other right. words, uh, this idea that impunity stretches right. to the people. Mm. We, as citizens of the city, feel right. that we can do whatever we like. Right. We can drive on the inside lane, double cross. Uh, go across three highways when there are four lanes. We can do whatever we like. And then you're saying, poor us, there's no planning. If yeah. we have no discipline at the right. root of our value system, right. if we don't essentially love our neighbors, right. if you aren't my brother and right. you aren't my sister right. and I don't care about you, right. then it seems to me that we're not going to live in some kind of earthly utopia. I agree 100% uh, with you there that... that uh, Uh, let's start with loving your neighbor. You can imagine if everybody was left to figure out how they're going to love their neighbor without the Bible or the Quran or the Gita being given to them to say, find this, what it means. Others may end up fornicating with their neighbors. Uh, and that's why we must actually have a standard. And I agree, I agree with you 100% because that standard is not one thing. That standard includes policy. That standard includes plans. That standard includes regulations. That standard includes legislation. There are all these things that enable us to actually enforce the the living the way the, the uh, way we wanted to do. Okay, for example, yeah, but, but for no, example, no, 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 before yes, you give the right, example, I'm right. still. I think we're both. You know, we're right. black Africans. We're not white Africans. True, true, true. We're not pink Africans. Very, very we're true. black Africans. Yes, I'm saying. Travels. You're yes. a widely traveled Correct. man. Correct. I go to some sort of obscure True. Swedish city, Correct. and uh, somebody says to me, "Oh, uh, there's a nightclub over there in right. a disco. Would you like to see it?" Right. Uh, and I, we climb up a, a flight of stairs, and somebody right. says, "Sir, may I take your jacket?" But the thing is, before I make entry into this den of iniquity, right. it's impossible to know that it's there. Right. There is no the the, the laws. Are so stringent exactly that. Um, but right now, there's the big thing. If you look at places like uh, uh, Lavington, Kilimani, there's great war against the the racket makers at night. Yes. Why are we incapable? The, the trick question is right. Why are we incapable? Why is our new governor? Right. Why is our new president? Mm. Okay, we've got all these wonderful where we're going to get the mm. millions from and the mm. fertilizer. Why can't we have rules? that force us to behave in a better way. We have rules. The problem is that we don't enforce them. We have, we have, we, uh, the rules that we even, have, we're told they were colonial. They were colonial. No, they're not colonial. Even the noises that, that people are making here in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Lovington, in Hallingham and so on, NEMA has regulations on noise. That's, that's how they're being arrested. Uh, complete with sound meters. We have those things. It's only that people choose not to enforce those things. 
All these guys, you have an entire county assembly. What do you think they do morning till evening? They make rules and they make regulations. And uh, and why are we in chaos? Because nobody has an intention of enforcing them. So so, so, so you're, you're touching another an, uh, another issue here that, uh, yes, we can plan as much as we, as we want. You see, John, I can I can decide that, uh, you know, over the weekend, I'm going to go to Hurupak and, uh, and sit there and meet you. So that's the plan. But then you see, if I wake up in the morning and then uh, I decide that, uh, fine, I'll go and do Nyamachoma in Kitengela. It means I've, uh, my problem is implementation. It's not because I didn't have a plan. And that's the problem of leadership that we have around uh, the, in the country and leadership that we have uh, in the city. That nobody has an intention of implementing plans. I just I just mentioned to you here a little bit earlier that uh, our expressway didn't exist in any plan. Uh, we are talking now about noise making, uh, you, you know, through these particular bars and, and restaurants and so on. We actually have regulations. We have we have plans. How come those plans are never enforced uh, habitually, so that you know people know that you cannot do this, you can you can do that. We even have, in fact, the culture of impunity is well reflected when a policeman is is waving you uh, to to drive at red lights. The red lights are there to serve a particular purpose, but the person seated around there is seeing them as a nuisance. That's a problem. That's how we look at plans. We look at plans as things that are slowing us down, as things that are inconvenient, as things that uh, belong to other people and so on. And, and what we need, actually, if we just started by enforcing the plans that we have, we will actually start having order. You you know, very senior people in this in in this country have even suggested how they should be arrested and by whom. It tells you just how deep this challenge is that nobody, uh, people in power, are not interested in implementing plans and enforcing these laws and regulations. You know, that is the difference between us and the West. Yeah, but, but there's all. Let's <laughs> let's stay let's stay within Africa. Right. If you is there something to do about that colonial history and dare I say it, faith? Again, in our travels, if we go to Dakar, Senegal, right. Uh, I would say I wasn't there forever, but I didn't see anything approximating the chaos on the roads that we have here in Nairobi. Much smaller city, but it seemed to me, is this put down to francophone colonialism is it for the wisdom of leopold seda senghor and we're now going back into the p-word politics which will be perhaps for the next next segment but we are segging into it does leadership create values and do values over a generation change a different worldview you could argue this about you know the the the, the kigali of uh, of kagame uh, rwanda 25 years ago Whatever your views Let, and what, what the man is doing at the top, right. it's changed. Right. And it's exactly. changed so that hmm? externally to the outsider, right. there is a greater measure of discipline. Yes. So we have, is, it, is, is the major statement to say that we've been failed by our leadership? It definitely is a leadership failure because because you look at it and I don't think it's francophone versus versus anglophone as such. Is it is it Muslim versus L is the idea that the Quran no. you have your hand chopped Le off if you mess about? L let's just look at the cities. If if you start from Cape to Cairo, yes, you will actually see. I mean, South African cities generally have quite a bit of order, despite yes. their well. You could you could put heritage. down to that, put that down to apartheid again, the horrendous white man. Let's come up. Put, you know, um, Harare. The, yes, Harare. I've been to Harare, but Harare has sort of uh, disintegrated since the days when Comrade Bob came in in the 1980s. But Harare still remains a pretty orderly city, really. 
yes, it remains. I, I haven't uh, been there that yes. frequently, so I wouldn't. Arari remains pretty pretty orderly. Of course, you highlighted here uh, 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 Kagame in, in Rwanda, Kigali, yes. which is interesting actually because I think we see a case in one city. Kigali, I was there. Uh, the early days of Kagame, it was a pretty disorderly city, yes. and, and 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 Kagame then was able to to bring in order. Then you come to the fiasco that is uh, East Africa, uh, you know, uh, Dar and uh, and and Kampala and Nairobi and our neighbors uh, Addis Ababa, yes. and it is chaos. Yes, it is just chaos. Mm. Then of course you cross. So uh, when you're going to the north, you have a mixture. You go to Egypt, uh, Islamic, very different, chaotic. You mm. go to, to, to uh, Tunis the other side, order. Mm. My point is that, um, you know, at the end of the day, enforcement of plans, and I agree with you 100%, enforcement of plans is a leadership issue and is a leadership choice. And, and I actually agree with you that poor leadership uh, or non-focused leadership can erode the gains of good planning and, and good social order in the cities overnight. Just like, again, very, very good uh, uh, leadership that is focused, that is implementing plans, that is actually enforcing laws and regulations, you know, fairly, can actually create a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, order within our cities. I remember uh, in, in the neighborhood here, uh, uh, the mayor of Kampala was trying to create order in relation to border border. And the, the president of the country said that his voters were, were not to be touched. And uh, you, uh, Kampala remains one of the most chaotic cities when it, when it comes to the border border uh, menace, uh, if you can actually put it that way. Well, the point I'm trying to bring in is that uh, we'll never really but change in a similar our cities. In a, in a similar situation, yes. we've we've had a situation where the masses sort of bend down and say, "Mzee, you know, Mweshimiwa, please." Let us continue to be doing our Duokali activity on exactly. the side of the road. Exactly. And because we want those votes, uh, we say, yes, fine, continue. Correct. And, and you see, uh, w the mistake people actually make, they, we assume that disorder favors um, the, the low class or particular class of people. It does not. In fact, the, they even become more inefficient and very, very, very inconvenienced. Those people, if, uh, um, you know, like your Juakali sector guy, the border border guys, once you streamline that, uh, they, they are able to make more money. They, they enjoy the, uh, the convenience and so on. We saw that in Kenya here when, uh, when uh, the Matatu sector was being streamlined by the late uh, Michuki. Initially, there was resistance, but the feedback that, that we got when order was brought to that sector was that. In fact, they were making more money. Doing business was better within that particular sector and so on. I, I think it is, it, it is, um, it is irresponsible, it's, it's even stupid and intellectually incompetent to, to, to imagine that if you create chaos somewhere there, that you're, you're benefiting somebody. In fact, you're also disadvantaging that same individual that you think you know, you're trying to please. So at the end of the day, we have to embrace order because that is, that is how even the low-income person will get value. I think we go into our two last piece. We'll go into politics, which is perhaps the most sensitive. Right. But I think we could have this conversation and sort of end up with a doom and gloom scenario. Right. So the last P will speak to positives. Right. But uh, before we get to uh, positives, right. let's go to politics. And this idea, politics engenders the whole idea of corruption. And right. again, my researchers would reveal that somebody uh, along the line will would... Uh, would uh, say that there's a river running through it and by 
by saying that there isn't a river, there's some kind of stream, then people can construct. So in other words, you can pay people mm. to abuse the system. Mm. So there's a lot of money to be made in abusing the system. Politics. Very, very true. And and, and, and we've seen this uh, in the past. We, we, we know of a former leader uh, in this city who suggested that, uh, you know, that... Uh, rivers could be moved because uh, there were people who had uh, put investments uh, you know in in houses in those, in those particular areas yeah so 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 yes i mean as part of the poor leadership uh, people are, are able to use politics as a platform uh, to do all the bad behaviors that en en end up affecting everyone one of the reasons why the, this city for example floods all the time is because of just what you're saying there people have been allowed by by, by those in power to build on, on river reserves, they are thereby blocking those river uh, reserves, so that uh, you know the natural drainage uh, within the city, natural that were given by God, we didn't we didn't even have to invest a single cent in it and would drain the city properly. But because people are built on those way leaves, people are built on the river itself. You know, we end up with this particular situation where whenever it rains, you know, uh, the, the entire city or sections of the city actually flood. So, so yes, I mean, um, politics is actually the cent at the center of this. And that's why we, we, all, we are always constantly praying that we have good leadership that would then enforce things that are okay, good so for the people. Before we take yes. the break, uh, two minutes, should, you know, should the hawkers come in and hawk in the middle of uh, next to the Hilton uh, because the one ain't she must eat. What is what is your view? Uh, is this draconian measures to lock out the people or let the people flourish in the middle of the city? You see, the, th the issue is not, is not even about the hawkers themselves. The issue is actually about the life of the city plus the economic aspects of the city. These people first, I mean, where they are on the side of the roads is very precarious for them. And we're saying, yes, you can actually get properly designated places of trade on the road. Nobody says, I, I mean, uh, next to the road. That's possible. But it has to be orderly. You you, you can decide as, as a city that, look here, Sunday is not very busy, or Wednesday we just want to bring life to the city. We are going to block some roads and then bring this activity here. You see, my problem is that if you bring an uncontrolled activity into the city, you are, you are part of the problem. You are actually not part of the solution. Uh, you are meant to be bringing order into the city. So even if it's that activity of hawking, we must ask ourselves, how can we do hawking in a way that eventually, you know, gives life to the city? We have Maasai markets, for example, as a model. Uh, and those are actually working. And we're saying, what else can we actually do to ensure that our people have got, uh, you know, food, uh, uh, our people have got money in their pockets, and our people are actually happily coexisting around the city. Prof, um, I think we can stay with the politicians. Uh, just um, before we go to the positives, the C word, corruption. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying this in terms of um, present day politics. We have this whole uh, Azimio, Kenya, Kwanzaa. Uh, where does ideology come in? Because we don't have 
ideological schisms in the same way that they're perceived in the West. It's pretty much more of a muchness. So should we, for the voter, would we go as far as to say that had we voted one, a, one way or another, we'd have had a better Nairobi? You understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yes, yes sir. Uh, I I get you there, John. And and, and this is one of the Ideology. Things, this, is one of, this is one of the things that we actually, uh, at, at some point, we just gave up on it. Because we're saying, look, yeah, uh, the political classes and the political groupings in Kenya currently are not able to translate uh, this ideology. Uh, the, the, the issue is that for many, they would come with some populist sort of idea and, and, and they confuse that with uh, with an uh, with ideology with with ideology is basically a particular belief in terms of how society should act, uh, should be uh, and, and 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 that belief then of course is backed up with uh, you know quite a bit of conviction uh, policies and so on uh, yeah so, so so in a way you you, you have got uh, a conviction one way or another in terms of how the city can be if i can if i can actually just give some some basic whatever you can say fine you want a more equitable city you know, where everyone, uh, you know, ha ha has an income and so on. Somebody may say, no, 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 we actually want a very rich city. It doesn't matter whether, whether you know, the rich uh, from the G uh, GDP are, uh, are few or, or, or these other. We don't actually have uh, that. Um, what the political classes actually did was that, uh, you know, they, they eventually reduced this to be simply competition between uh, the different parties and nothing might, might be sold. In fact, what, what was being sold was that, fine, um, uh, you are on our side because, uh, you know, you're a hustler, you're poor, whatever it is. And uh, uh, the other party on the other side is saying, OK, fine, we'll, we'll create some spaces for work for you and so on. And, and this la lacked the depth. Some of those things that we're talking about, uh, what does it mean to be a citizen of Nairobi? Um, how, 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 what should citizens of Nairobi be doing and what should, should they be doing in the first instance? What do we do? Uh, are we pushing towards equity? Are we pushing towards inclusion? Or are we pushing towards wealth and riches? Or, or are we trying to do both? That level of con conversation we've never reached in the city. The only thing we discuss in the city is whether garbage will be collected. Uh, is whether the sewer, you know, uh, will actually be cleaned. Is whether a road can, can, can actually be repaired. It's basic provision of services, which, which to me is, is, is a far cry from what you really expect, you know, a serious political leadership uh, to, to espouse and, and to use in terms of rallying their people. We want to be proud as Nairobians. We'll not just be proud because somebody fi fixed a portal. We'll be proud because of that thing that you're saying, ideology, and how that has been translated into practice. Positives. I'm going to give you two minutes to talk on positives because we were at 7.24.39. We're about to stop. Positives. What is, what should we, in your travels uh, around the world, what should we really cherish about our city? John, this is very unfair because uh, as an Arabian, I want to uh, talk about this the whole day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because two minutes. despite everything, uh, one of the things that you actually find in Nairobi is... is um, um, a sense of collegiality and equity. You don't feel you. This is one one of the few cities where you can be in any part of the city and feel very comfortable. Uh, that the class is used by the political group groupings. But today, if you decided to go and uh, do uh, matumbo in uh, in Burma, 
nobody would care that uh, you know you you came from Westland so or, or or I don't know from which whichever part part of this city. people people don't care you you can go and enjoy your cultural food on one side you can enjoy, go and en enjoy your drink uh, either in a den in Kibra or in uh, uh, Nairobi West or at the Hilton and so on so so that is a city without tension it's a city of love if I can actually p call it that way and and, and people are very w w welcoming uh, they're very collegial uh, they're, they're less territorial of course they are the people who come from those particular neighborhoods and so on uh, and people are nice generally uh, those who are serving you those those, those whom you whom you interact with and so on and they engage they engage you proactively whether you know whether you're a visitor or a stranger or you know you are a regular in in, in in the place this is one of the most beautiful cities from a social life uh, perspective and of course we we hope this can we can push this to food to dress uh, to the arts to music to all these different uh, aspects you know and, and and lessen the class divide that is actually starting to emerge within the city who are you uh, you've um, blurted out Omenya, but there must be a lots of Omenyas. Which Omenya are you? <laughs> what is your name, sir? Uh, John, this is... Uh, what is your name, sir? Is uh, architect Professor Alfred Omenya. Yes. Uh, yes, and uh, we have many hats. How, how, I'm interested in how, why you chose to become an architect. Right. And uh, how, how long the journey is. Would you encourage every single young person to be an architect? Again, we haven't got that much time. Um, please plead for your, uh, an apologist for your profession. I'm fascinated by space. I'm fascinated by buildings. And I keep telling people that as an artist, this is the biggest uh, 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 skill you can work with. You know, other artists are, d are drawing little cards and I'm actually drawing cities. So, <laughs> so this, this is actually very, very fascinating, uh, you, know, you know, skill uh, to work with and to influence life, you know, within that broader uh, things and uh, like we say on a light note, um, uh, the uh, the buildings that the architect uh, baths, uh, unlike uh, the doctor's mistakes, uh, which can be buried, are, are there for for the world to see uh, till eternity. It is fun. Everywhere you go, you are surrounded by buildings and spaces and cities and towns and so on. That is actually quite fascinating. And and yes, um, John, one of the things that we have not done in this country is to make architecture accessible. I don't think um, I don't think everybody who goes to the School of Architecture needs to be an architect. In fact, you, John, should come to the School of Architecture uh, to just learn one or two courses around the city and come back and keep educating Kenyans. That is what they do in Italy. That is what they do in, uh, in Spain. You, you see, because this is part of our culture. Architecture is part of our heritage. Our cities are part of the places, the theatre, where we enact our lives. And it's important that, you know, Monainchi is able to understand one or two things about these things. But be as it may, you know, our, our, our public institutions institutions are locked and you must come out with a degree on the other side uh, for you to have actually uh, for you to benefit from this but but uh, if if you make me president what i'll do i'll allow kenyans uh, to to get into the course just to understand the city do just do one unit and then leave so that the house help can 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 take you on a walk around the neighborhood and can be telling you the histories behind it as part of their their heritage <laughs> 19 hours 28 minutes 29 minutes and uh, two seconds. Uh, we have to stop there. Do continue to give us feedback, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701 
984-984. I've been talking to Professor Alfred Omenya, architect and human settlements expert. And you've been listening to John Sibiokumu on Wednesday. Thank you most kindly for doing that. Until next time.